On Nineworks Radio this week, we have a guide to track days with RPM Technic. Brought to you by Nineworks.co.uk, the fastest growing online Porsche community supported by the Nineworks Marketplace. Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast hosted by Lee Sibley, Andy Brooks and Max Newman. Nineworks Radio is carefully produced with special input from experts around the industry and powered by our valued members of the Nineworks Driven Not Hidden Collective. Max, Andy and Greg... How you all doing? Good for a Monday. Good for a freezing cold Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite warm in here, actually. We were as we were driving up, we were thinking, is it going to be as cold as other things that we've done in the past? Particularly when we went to see Rain Eleven and uh, a water that was bitter. Oh, you were, your teeth were shattering, shattering. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice and warm in here. Yeah. Thank shattering you. Shattering sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Nine Works Radio. Uh, we are here in the lovely and warm. Uh, confines of the RPM Technic showroom just outside Tring. As uh, as Greg said, yeah, it's late on a Monday night. We've just had uh, a little bit of food courtesy of RPM Technic, so thanks very much indeed. And uh, yeah, now we have some serious conversation about all things cars and Porsche, really. So, uh, Greg, you're no stranger to the podcast anyway. You have been on a couple of series ago, so thanks for joining us again. Welcome, um, no problem. Thanks for coming. And for inviting us up. It's always a real pleasure to be here at the RPM Technic showroom. Max, you bought a car here, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. where my 991 came from. Amazing. 2018? Uh, 2019, actually, because I was with Alex. Lockdown. Was it really? September 2020. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was longer ago than that. It was my lockdown puppy kind of thing. <laughs> we sold quite a few in that period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All distance sailed, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, it feels well, like we should, uh, everyone should have a pint of Guinness here. <laughs> if anyone's ever been to the RPM showroom who's listening or in the, on the bar section, everyone stood up and sort of having Porsche <laughs> kind of, chat. Yeah, it does feel it's a, a bit like that. It's a beer that. conversation. Yeah, it, does, it does feel a bit like that. It's, it's nice to come along kind of after hours. Yeah. And uh, we, we did something similar last year and it just worked really well, we felt. And um you know, we can we can have you without the phone going off and it, and everything else that <laughs> goes on true. with you know day to day a Porsche business. So we um, we have been looking forward to this for a while now. So yeah, like what's what's new with RPM currently then, Greg? Well, for this year we've got you know every every year we kind of sit down around this time of the year and think what we're going to do that you know we did last year and that, that's perhaps going to change for this year. But um, unless you don't follow us on social media, you'll have seen that we did quite a few track days last year. I think I think in total we did twenty six. Um, oh, which yeah, it's, it's such a hardship. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have to call it work. But um, and that was obviously great fun. Uh, and we did some European stuff, which you gentlemen uh, joined us with. Yeah, uh, we loved which that. You, you enjoyed, which we're going to do again this year. So we, um, one thing we always used to find was that everyone always like, ah, oh, I see you were on track last week. Tell me when the next one is. And obviously, you're having conversations probably like you chaps with about seventy five different people on WhatsApp and email and iMessage, yeah. and it just gets to be a bit of a beast to try and remember to tell everybody. So our event section on our website, which if you go on the rpmtechnic.co.uk website, you'll see we've been really militant this year in actually getting organised for the first time. <laughs> so usually it's about April before we put the events up and everyone's like, why didn't you tell me about that? So needless to say, we've got all of the events that we're doing this year up on there. And if you've 
you know, if you're into your track days and you're wanting to come along. Um, We've got something called a Porsche Drivers Lounge, which I think you came to last year, didn't yes, you, Donny? That was at Donny, yeah. 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 Um, and the basic premise of the the Drivers Lounge is that whether you've been, you know, to your hundredth track day or you've just bought a Porsche and you want to come on a track day, it kind of caters for everybody. Um, because what you t- sometimes tend to find is that they can be. Mm, you know there's a lot of bravado sometimes on track days and you know if it's your first time it it can be a little bit daunting you know there's everything from you know cup cars through to you know fiestas on some of these days and sort of being able to go there see a friendly face someone to kind of hold your hand through the day in terms of you know what you should be doing and where you need to be at what time Um, and also for our clients it's that having a technical capability with them on circuit is actually quite valuable because it's like all of us, if you're on a track day, that means you're not at work, you're not with the family. So it's actually quite an expensive day. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a brownie point used up. Yeah. And if at 10 o'clock, a innocuous light comes up on your dashboard that you don't know whether it's innocuous or not, it can ruin your day because you don't want to go out again and you know blow your engine up or something daft. So the Porsche drivers lounge that we first started, I think 2020, yeah, just after lockdown um, when track days kicked off again, provides a hub for everyone to meet yeah. technical assistance from our guys. I'm there, you know, not really much use, but can touch out about the market and <laughs> you know, chew the fat. Um, and that was really popular. So we've run that for a couple of years now and we'll be doing that again next year. And as to be said, most of our track days we do in conjunction with RMA. Uh, obviously, there's lots of different track day uh, companies out there, but it yeah. just we align quite well with the, with the you know the cars that we run. Um, and so we've actually launched something new for this year. So I don't want this to be like a plug, you know, <laughs> as soon as you team me up. Um, but um, yeah, we've effectively started a, a, a RPM track day club, uh, members track day club. Oh, sweet. Uh, and the, uh, the uh, sort of the understanding is that um, there's three different tiers to it. Um, and it's all about providing guys and girls with more sort of spare time. So if you're going to come on a track day, you want the car to be you know, shipped there. You want it to be stored. Yeah. You want to have a spare set of tires, a spare set of wheels. You want the car to be checked before you go in and out. It's just all of that wrapped up into one package where you contact us, leave the car with us. We'll sort it all out for you. So again, that's literally just gone live last week on our website. Um, we've had a few guys subscribe to that already, which is cool. But again, it just means that you know that when you go to a circuit, someone will be there. You're part of our club. The tech knows who you are. And everything gets sorted for you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, a, it's new. I don't think anybody else has done it so far uh, outside of a race team for a race car. Um, <laughs> so it kind of gives that little bit of a vibe to to the owners as well. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's like proper arrive and drive then. Take the headache yeah. away. But that is exactly it. Yeah. And it, it just goes back to the time thing. You know, every, everybody's busy. And if you know that, you know, we're all going to go to Donington the night before we can all have a beer together or a non-alcoholic beer, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, and have a meal together, you're going to see the same kind of crowd. There's, there's you know, there's a real nice community thing yeah. about it, but all centred around what we all stood here loving, which is Porsches. Yeah, yeah. That's great Fantastic. to be fair. Even the, the driver's lounge last year at Donington, what I really liked, like you said, that you guys were on hand for a bit of technical advice. Um, with Ollie, he was able to look at my car that had a problem. So that was, that was very helpful. But like you say, even just chatting to other enthusiasts, even if you've done track days before, it might be your first time at a certain track, like Donnie and, and I have had a, a conversation that, that a few of us were then having about, well, what's the best line through this corner? Or, you know, what, should you be dabbing the brake there or whatever? And it was just nice where, I don't know, it just felt a little bit more comfortable to have that chat rather than just walk straight up to someone and say, 
how do you do that corner? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. And it, and it was it was kind of nice. It just promoted the right environment, I think, for everybody just to have a bit of a chat. And, and ultimately, though, track days is a social as well. Like, yeah. That's kind of the. the yeah, yeah. I mean, like we always say to everyone. There's no prizes at the end of these. Yeah. You know, it's not, no one's competing for anything. And don't get me wrong, some, some people are, are really quite interested in their lap times, which is cool. Some guys are there for the social. Um, some people are there just because they've never done one and they want to sort of learn the different circuits. But I, I always think after two or three, when there's the same sort of, you know, 15, 20, 25 people, whatever there, it's like, oh, you're going to be at, you know, Silverstone on the X date. Oh, yeah, cool. And, you know, it's something to look forward to because, yeah. again, we all work hard. But we're quite lucky with some of the, you know, people that we uh, do business with, you know, people like Tim Harvey, who've got, you know, 35, 40 years of, of race experience. If you want to ask him a line through any of the British or European circuits, the, the guys have done multiples of He's thousands of laps yeah, yeah. And, and in 911s in most of them. Yeah. So, there is literally nobody better qualified and you couldn't, it's not, it's not money couldn't buy, but I'm not sure how else you would be able to interact with yeah. those sorts of people with that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It offer, it's, it's quite, it's a good offering. Um, and it's not one of those, sometimes I think, you know what it's like with new products or apps that come around and you kind of go, someone's kind of invented this for the sake of inventing it. It's kind of come around because there's been a natural demand for it from the people that, you know, we interact with with the cars yeah. so yeah we'll see how it goes this year but um, as i say all the details are on the website it's all super simple so it's three tiers um something for everyone that sounds great what sort of cars are people bringing along what's that on, on track yeah um there's actually a really wide range you know um obviously on the sales side what we've got sat around us behind at the moment typically we have up to ish 10 year old porsches and then anything older than that if it's a gt or an rs model but the, the people that come on circuit with us can be everything from a you know a twelve thousand pound you know 987 cayman um right through to you know 500 grand's worth of two rs or race car or whatever so it's it doesn't have to be anything particularly wild obviously we would highly recommend it's been prepped and checked before it, it yeah. comes out to make sure it can withstand uh, you know the day but you know from our point of view as long as it's a porsche hey you're welcome excellent yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's cracking and funny what you just said greg when you say maybe with this kind of the community that's being cultivated where you might recognize a couple of faces oh, i'll see you at silverstone in a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. and whatever it is really addictive yeah yeah, track days, it, and, and it, it can, you know, in a really positive way, can really consume you, you know, once you kind of dip your toe in, <laughs> yeah. in the water. And Andy and I were talking about it on, on the way here today. We seem to find that the, the Porsche audience and maybe the wider automotive audience are either really into track days or it's just not your bag. And there doesn't seem to be a middle ground. It's like once you, once you give it a go... You love it. it you, you, yeah. you do, yeah. But, you know, mm. and it, maybe this was kind of my speculation at this point, Wondered if people where they're not into it, they've just not given it a go and maybe might have a bit of trepidation and as to Yeah, I, I certainly think there's some misconceptions of it. Um that, you know, it's brutal on the car or, you know, I'm gonna crash it or I'm gonna break it, you know. I suppose, you know, when we're you know, my job here is is on the sales side of things. And I always rec oh, like recommend people take their car on track, not for any other reason other than that you can really exploit it and mm. get to grips with the car. I understand it. Why it's actually been built. And, yeah. you know, we can take people out in a, a bog standard 
911 Carrera, none of the you know all the sexy bits on it, and they come back and like minds blown, and you're like, well, wait till you get in something with a GT in it. Mm-hmm. So I guess on you know a fundamental, why we all love these cars is driving them, and you get to be able to drive the thing how it was designed without fear of license potholes yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, or any of that that sort of aspect of it. Um, and then, as you say, I think people get into it and like, oh, I had a slightly different brake pad next. And, you know, <laughs> but the thing is, right, you know, you've got to be into something. Yeah. And yeah. if it's going to be modding cars or tracking cars, hey, there's far less bad things <laughs> to Indeed. spend yeah. your time and money uh, doing. Uh, and like I say to everyone, you know, you could do two seasons of track days and then sell the car. You know, from a financial point of view, yeah, it costs you to do it, but you look back on the crack that you had and the, you know, the people you met and, you know, oh, that was really good. And sometimes guys do, they go away and girls go away and then we see them again in 18 months time and they get back into it maybe in something else. Um, but life's short, isn't it? Yeah, yeah without you, a doubt. You've got to, you've got to get on with it if you want to, because I don't know, I think track days will always be, be around, but, um, whilst we can still drive 9,000 RPM petrol cars let's get on with it <laughs> well Sorry. you know the, the the market for track days there's there's something on every day of the week all around the country mm. and, and they're still very 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 busy yeah so i feel like more people have got into it and and the demand has been there from all these track days to go ahead and it just seems almost like this insatiable appetite from enthusiasts to just get out on track and use the cars not just porsche to be fair all, yeah. all, all, all sorts of cars i i feel like um, and actually Darren said this at our last track day that where, you know, where we're going in terms of the automotive sphere, electric cars, uh, automated and all the rest of it, the idea of taking a combustion engine car out on a track day and really getting to unleash that car is it's quite literally the only place to do it now. Yeah, I mean, you you know, we can all choose our moments on the road, but, you know, you are dancing with the devil a little bit in yeah, terms of your yeah. license and stuff. You know, even a entry-level boxster, these are two-litre boxer these days, will do 170-odd mile an hour, I think. So, you know, they're 300 bhp is plenty. But the other thing that we noticed last year, and again, when, when you guys came with us to Le Mans, is that along with, you know, cars and coffee mornings and, and track days, which some people are into and some people aren't, like you say, is is the reason to use your car. And so things like driving to Le Mans, going to Spa, going to the Porsche Museum, going to Switzerland, whatever, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's the journey and it's the fun you have with your mates and all the rest of it. And that's, again, something we're going to be doing in a bit more detail or, or maybe a bit more volume this year because – if you, I guess, if you looked at our database of people who drive, you know, the GT cars, there's probably more people that don't track them than do track them. Mm. So there's an, you know, there's an opportunity there for those people to go, look, I get it, I totally get it. This car is my entire life savings. I don't want to risk it. And you go, cool, totally understand that. Let's go and drive it to the Alps then, or let's go and you know go to Zurich yeah. or something you know fun and cool that you can remember. Um, so I think you know there'll be we'll be doing more of that because there seems to be more of an appetite for it as well, and organised in a nice, safe, and sensible way because you know there's very various different trips I've been on and seen and you come back and think I don't know how I didn't <laughs> uh, how I made it back but uh, yeah so nervous glance yeah. at the post box yeah. every morning well there was yeah. yeah we did get that in uh, lockdown actually we got banned from Germany but luckily that, that coincided with Covid which is a benefit but <laughs> that's another story that's amazing <laughs> uh, that's yeah it's um it, it is a difficult one and, and Andy you were kind of saying that track days like you're you're not kind of sure about it in 
currently are you? Uh, well, I, I know that I'd get addicted to it, and then it wouldn't be a good thing for my, yeah, for marriage. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, again, that is it. So, case in point, that, that's quite a. And I'm, I'm not here to kind of like overcome your objections, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's, it's quite a common one. Is that oh, it's going to cost me a load of money. Yeah. So if you think about it, if you go to a track day, you know, you get there for half seven, eight o'clock. You know, sign on and you know get the car there, meet us, have a little chinwag. Usually the circuit's open at nine, you have an hour for lunch and they finish at four or five, depending on what time of the year it is. The reality is that most of the cars that come on track don't do hundreds of laps. Don't get me wrong, there are a few guys who are out like constantly, but more often than not, people will go out and probably do, I don't know, maybe when they first go out in the morning, three or four laps, just to test everything's good, check the levels, we come back in and check the wheel talks and eyeball the car. And then after that, they might do... I don't know, five to 10 lap sessions. And most circuits in the UK are about a minute and a half, give or take. Then they'll come back in, have a coffee, have a chinwag. So they might have throughout the day, it might sometimes only be five to 10 sessions throughout yeah. the whole day, depending on how, how keen you are for it. So again, you know, we'll sell like a GT4 and people go, oh, I guess, track, you know, the tires are only going to do one day. And I'm like, no, if you've managed them properly, you could get three, five days even out of them. Yeah. And again, the modern stuff, because it's kind of, actually, even air-cooled cars, they're seriously light on consumables for their sort of speed and type yeah. and everything. And if you kind of you drove it with that kind of sympathy, okay, you've got fuel, you know, it's going yeah. to drink fuel. <laughs> There's no two ways about that one. But actually, you know, they don't need to. And if you did two, three track days a year, you kind of get enough of your adrenaline hit, hit. Yeah. Um, without taxing the car too hard. And again, you know, we always implore people to give the car a bit of mechanical th- you know, sympathy. If you're taking it to 9K, every single gear change, you're yeah. absolutely hanging on the brakes. Yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear the thing. But like we said, it's not a race car, so yeah, yeah. don't drive it like one. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. sell you a race car if you want one. That's a whole <laughs> different ballgame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, again, I tend to find that um, if you go to like multi-mark track days, Porsches... By and large, you can, as the old saying goes, drive it to the track, drive it round the track all day, and then bugger off home again afterwards. And I see like other brands or other people with other cars, you know, at, at the end or halfway through the day doing tinkering, this, that, the other. Yeah. And, and the Porsches, by and large, like I say, this is anecdotally, of course, they, they're just out there lapping, really. And, and I think it underlines the engineering prowess of these cars. Yeah. And like within the environment that they are made for. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're kind of, worrying that or you know could my car withstand it the, the answer is yes absolutely if it's if it's got that badge on the front it's made for it yeah it's kind of how yeah. how i look at it really yeah. i think one of the good things about for the un uninitiated the sort of thing that you're talking about greg is some of those things like tire wear am i going to do a set of tires you think well i know there's tire pressures are a thing mm. but but what what does that mean yeah you know, so if i go you know i know i need to manage tire pressures but I could ask the guy next to me, but it would be better if there was something set up, you know, people that I were going, uh, going with the RPM thing, or I can go and talk to you guys and say, what do I need to do about tire pressures? And you can help manage people through that. Without a shadow of that process. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking before we started recording that I love bikes mm. and I don't know if anyone does that in the bike world, but like if I came in after a session and I could chuck the bike at someone, go and have a coffee, they do all the pressures, get it ready to go out again. That'd be a dream. I mean, someone may well do, but yeah. it's, it's that just take, like you said, it's just taking like the stress out of it and knowing that you could ask one of our techs, you know, like Ricky, who probably do a lot of them next year with us, you know, 
setting an oil level on a 901 Gen 1 RS is a, like a bit of an awkward thing. Um, yeah. If you get it wrong, it, it wouldn't ruin your day, but it's a bit of a pain in the bum to, to reset the levels and stuff. And so that kind of thing that just saves ages of, of time yeah. is, yeah, is, is really nice, to be yeah. honest. Uh, it's peace of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think somebody mentioned it earlier on in the conversation that in terms of getting to understand your car a little bit as well, where everything is pushed to the extreme on track in terms of like the dynamics of the car, if you have a situation on the road um, where, say, the car steps out, it'll only be 20% of what it's, you've done on the track, but because you've experienced it to a greater degree on track, you kind of know what to expect and how to deal with it on the road is kind of what I find. So it kind of adds to your driving. Yeah. I mean, there's loads, and you know, you can take instruction, you know, RMA, for example, have loads of instructors on every day. So you can, uh, you know, hire one of those or, or sometimes if it was someone's first ever track day, we, you know, years ago, um, did a lot of driver training with Colin at cat driver training, um, based at Millbrook. And I would probably say go and do go and do a bit of that first of all because um, you're in a in a, an environment which is um, easily repeatable. So if he's trying to teach you a you know, particular technique through a corner, there's nobody else there, mm-hmm. um, and it's on a closed road. Um, they also have sort of you know track type corners, and you can get to understand what the car will do. And uh, you hit the nail on the head. You know most people will come back from the you know if it's their first time from from that thing with the cat driver training guys and go i didn't realize how capable my 3-2 carrera was i'm like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um let alone what it will do on a track but you know i suppose there is that safety aspect to it isn't it because if the thing you know a lot of people kind of go traction control is a bit lenient i'm like yeah they are you know like a gt4 sometimes top of third gear in the wet if it's cold on cup twos she'll just have a spike of uh, as it hits at the power and it will have you know half a turn of lock which will wake you up on a november evening at like nine o'clock at night when it's minus two um but if you've done that on a track day and you've you know accidentally got the thing sideways and gathered it back up or the TC is cut in after a certain point, you're kind of in that split second moment rather than panic and do something daft. Yeah. You'll flow with the car and yeah. you might not put it in the hedge. <laughs> yeah. It's <Absolutely>. the theory. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. It's funny you say about Colin and the cat thing and our Christmas podcast, we're talking about things that we'll do next year. So in 23, mm-hmm. and I said, I'm going to do a track day. You know, that was my, that was my thing. Yep. And I was looking at the, at the list of events for this year after I saw Darren at the Espresso Lounge the other week. <laughs> the first thing which I've done actually is book a day with Colin. Ta-da. There you go. Um, oh, okay. Millbrook as it was, I think at this, at the end of March yep. yeah. or something. So I'm doing his sort of first day, sort of an entry point. Perfect. And I thought that'd be a great thing to start. Yeah. In the 991. Um, through Porsche Club GB, actually. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be a really good... It's you know, a really, really good grounding to before you go on circuit because, again, you know, Colin used to... I mean, I've got no affiliation to Colin, but, you know, he taught us and his, his background was teaching engineers when they'd come out of university um, how to actually drive the Nürburgring. So you can read it in a book, obviously, but doing it in real life is, yeah. is obviously a totally different thing. And so it, I quite like how Colin teaches because he's teaching it from an engineering point of view. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm an engineer, but he's kind of like, if you do this, that's doing that to the car and that's why. And you kind of can logic it and go, yeah. hmm, that makes a lot of sense. He also happens to be a massive advocate of 911s, <laughs> of the, you know, the, the weight setup and things. But yeah, I'll be interested to see what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You'll mm. be Carrera Cup in 10 years. Can you imagine, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in there. 
Potential. <laughs> so, Greg, if, if somebody's thinking, okay, I'm, I'm interested, I, I'm going to follow in Max's footsteps, and in 2023, I'm going to give track work a go. Yep. You know, is there any kind of snippets of advice where you could say, okay, well, if you're going to, maybe just mm-hmm. consider this? Or, um, I suppose you, you've got, yes, is a, is a quick answer. You've got two things to consider, yourself and the car itself. So assuming the car was in perfect condition, mint A1 ready to go, they are far more capable than most drivers, yeah. you know, and, and people kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can I can handle this. But the reality is these cars have been set up by Porsche factory test drivers to do the ring. And so it will be able to handle anything that, that you can put at it. However, we live in the real world and some of these cars are 5, 10, 15, 25 years old. So the first thing is making sure the thing's ready to, to do what it was designed to do. Yeah. And, you know, the, I would say the number one thing for me would be the touch point, the tyres. Because <laughs> um, you've got three different brands of tyre, three different tread patterns, and you drive it at five tenths on the road, you're probably not going to be noticing. And if you've got three different tread patterns, you probably don't care either, which yeah. is always <laughs> like that. But if you go on a circuit, everything is operating at the seven, eight tenths point. And those sorts of things are going to really start to make themselves uh, known. So having good tyres, they've got a decent amount of tread ready to do the day, ideally under five or six years old. So the rubber's you know, going to you know, be able to handle a few heat cycles as well. Um, and get it inspected by a specialist. You know, there's l- people in the UK are so lucky. There are so mm-hmm. many good specialists, probably within an hour of almost anybody in, in the country. Um, obviously, we'd recommend coming here. But, um, <laughs> but no, you know, getting someone who knows what they're looking at, who's experienced yeah. with the cars to check it over. Because things that maybe have been an advisor on your service for the last three years, and you're like, well, I didn't do it very often. It's going to do it on that day. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's going to be, I don't know, four or 500 pounds for the track day itself. You know, the opportunity cost of your time not being at work or with the kids or whatever. Um, the fuel getting there, the insurance probably for the day. You start to put all them up and those little advisories that you put off are going to cost you a, twice as much if you don't do them before the track day. So getting getting into a car that's safe and it's competent for the for, you know to be able to do the day is, is the number one thing and that really doesn't matter whether it's a RS or a you know 2.5986 boxer it doesn't doesn't really matter so that would be a half of the answer the other half is you, is yourself because Everyone thinks they're fast. <laughs> it is, you know, human nature, isn't it? Oh, yeah, um, it is. Yes. And you might have won seven world championships and they thought you are. <laughs> but most of us kind of fall into the, you know, enjoy driving on the road and, you know, want to improve themselves. So investing in yourself is that kind of real cheesy thing. You know, it's like someone's written on a freaking poster somewhere. But it just comes into its own yeah. there. And it's when you go on circuit and you're in the latest whatever it might be. And there's a guy there that's done 25 years of racing and he hops into that 2.5 boxer and smokes you in your brand new 2022 GT3. It puts into perspective. And so the way around that is what Max was just saying, you know, is, is investing in a bit of driver training. You know, if you've not been to any circuit or that particular circuit, if the track deal organizers any good, they'll have some instruction on the day. Yeah. Take advantage of it because... Yeah, I don't know what they cost these days. I don't know, 50 quid for half an hour or something like that is the best 50 quid you'll probably ever spend Mm, because you'll know which way the track goes. You'll know which part of the track you're supposed to be on. 
it takes that kind of fear out when you first go around because the person there's somebody sat next to you. I mean, somebody um, to guide you around. Yeah, yeah tell I you mean, what to do. exactly. You know, and it, 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 at the end of the day, these things are dangerous, man. They're going really fast, you know, and they don't defy the laws of gravity. So if it's tighter than you think, you know. I remember we were at Angles here a couple of years ago, and a guy there was on his first lap in a nine on one RS, and you know, as you come up the hill. There's a 90 left. I'm not very good with all the corner names and all the circuits, but I know it's a 90 left and you get to the top of the hill and he didn't and he was still flat in fourth. <laughs> put it in, you know, he wrote the car off and they, they were ambulanced home, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not quite motorbike dangerous on track, but it can be. So yeah. it's not to like put any fear into anyone, but it's, it's reality. Um, so yeah, it's make sure you know what you're doing and make sure the car's good for it and then you can just build on it from there because as we said sort of 25 minutes ago it's not it's, there's no awards yeah it's, it's yeah. just fun yeah <laughs> it's yeah. supposed to be fun <laughs> yeah and it can be when approaching the right way yeah do, do you know what i mean yeah um, whilst respecting the fact that sometimes yeah look things happen and and that's it you know mm. it's funny you mentioned about the corner thing I, i'm exactly the same i'm not too hot on on corners or tracks in the uk and um a real kind of favorite thing of mine to do at track days is to make up the corner names and start spreading those corner names like vicious rumor (laughs) and just seeing if it catches on and like the absolute like golden ticket is when you hear somebody else talking about the corner you've just made up just a devil's dick yeah 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 exactly that yeah i've just just gone through the uh that pasta kink was a bit a bit tight there and uh yeah yeah do you you get that dip at the smash pasty as well i'm not going on a track day with you yeah he's great he's great some people know every corner like fair play absolutely yeah. fair play I guess you could do sit I mean I, 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 I was thinking recently actually my kids are now starting to play computer games more often and I was like maybe I should, maybe I should get a Playstation <laughs> you know I guess you could learn a lot of people learn the tracks yeah. oh yeah through that you know so that's another way you could sort of yeah. build your knowledge just yeah. so you know where you're going yeah <laughs> yeah definitely well I mean you know that, that whole kind of uh, like gaming side I mean that's a podcast in itself always yeah. to, to be fair and, and and that side of things but um yeah, it's, it's stellar advice for the beginner. In in terms of tracks, like what I mean, yeah, what's your favourite track yeah. in the UK, for example? Oh, you you caveat it there by saying the UK just then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the UK, um, Brands GP. That's a that's an absolute cracker. Yeah, it's probably because you know there's only a few days usually each each year. For, I think it's for noise reasons for the locals, but yeah, yeah Brands GP is good. Um, I think it's Goodwood for me. I just really? yeah I, I love the fact that it's nice and flowing the history you know whenever you go yeah. to Goodwood I don't know what village it is but there's a certain village you, I come through and it's almost like just gone back 60 years <laughs> like, the build, like everything yeah. um, I just yeah I love that place I think I think it's part of the aura and I think it's, it's you know I'm no massive I just love the speed and it's you know it's not it doesn't take any prisoners there. you know the runoff's pretty yeah. uh, <laughs> pretty small um but it's just a lovely place to be. Mm. You know, the first time I ever drove actually was in the wet, um, which pro- I think was probably quite a good thing because, you, you know, you temper your enthusiasm in the wet and yeah. you realise, you know, what can go wrong. And that day then dried out. Um, and every day, touch wood, I've ever been there since, it's actually been dry. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the, and I, apart from a couple of corners, obviously, we hard braking, but it's actually quite nice on the car. So the car can get into a bit of a flow and you can have some like random things. Like I think in the end of 2020, I was there and I was in a 996 GT3 and it was just me and a guy in a real Cobra. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Everyone okay. had gone home and it was like four o'clock and <laughs> yeah. we were just like zipping around. I remember coming, is it Levant, the back straight? 
and we would make it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one. Um, and we were going down there. I was following him, and they uh, they do the the Spitfire uh, passenger rides yeah, up yeah. there. I mean, I was following this Cobra, and this Spitfire comes around. I'm like, oh, where, where on the planet can you actually do that? And the fact that you can pay money, take your car, drive down there, do a track day, have a few beers, stay over, and go back. It's just like. It's magic that yeah, I, I yeah. love, but otherwise it'd have to be the ring. Just different gravy that place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll bite me at some point. Hopefully not too bad. But um, yeah, it just it, when I, you know, when I was a kid, we're kind of about the same age, playing Gran Turismo, and you're like, oh my god, one day I've got to go there. And to go there in a Porsche and drive like you know, reasonably quickly, just like pinch yourself stuff. It's just and it's and it, I think it's probably. Along with like riding bikes for me, it's, it's kind of like that balance of like terrifying but fun and just like I want to do that again. And you know, <laughs> you just keep doing it. It's it's just such a cool place. And I was one of those people that whenever someone was talking about the Nürburgring and I'd not been there, I was like, bore off, buddy. It's yeah. like, come on, yawn. But you go there and you're like, it's just different. It's just different. How uh, many times have you been there? We did, what did we do? Three, two or three times last year and two times the year before that. Okay. Oh, wow. And just, yeah, I mean. Addicted. Yeah, I, I can see what, I mean, I, I, I can see what people do, you know, yeah, totally yeah. slip down a rabbit hole of building a car specifically for that yeah. circuit. Or living there. Or living there. <laughs> yeah. There are, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of um, British guys living out there. Um, and yeah, obviously Manti are there as well. Yeah. But it is one of those times, again, when I went out with Tim, we went out in a 9 on 1 RS, I think it got on our YouTube channel. And obviously we know each other quite well, so I clearly trust his driving. And he's, yeah. he's won, I think his last ever competitive race was the race of champions there, um, which was an endurance race. It was wet and dry. And there was 127 drivers or something, and he won. That was in 2011. And yeah, so the man knows his way around. Yeah. Um, and we did a couple of like sort of hot, you know, warmish, quite hot, hot laps. And then towards the end of, because I think they were there for three days, towards the end of like, I think the second day. And it was, it was one of those, October afternoons when it was sunny it was leaves sort of coming down but it was still like 18 degrees um and I can't remember what it was I think there's another guy with a number plate sub 7 on his 901 RS came oh, past us right. and you see that little <laughs> racing driver thing in his eyes and he's like halfway round I remember him asking me he's like you're right with this I'm like yeah I'm fine <laughs> um, but apart from being like amazed by how quick he was prepared to push it but you just again you get out and go that's what it's designed for yeah I totally get it now yeah and yeah. again there's not even many circuits in the UK where the you know people talk about downforce but you know when you're doing 100 and again I don't know the corner names but you're doing 150 170 mile an hour that one at the end of the main straight when you go under the bridge aero works at that sort of speed yeah. and yeah. well you bloody hope it does but um and yes just again it's a magical place isn't it it's yeah. got so much history uh and especially with porsches as well yeah, yeah. it's a cool place even if you like you, you're not going out on on track or even doing a, a tourist lap um it's a cool place to stop off because there's so many cool bits and pieces mm. yep. floating around like it's a it's a really cool place to go um and just soak up the vibe i think mm. I, I went there in 2016 and did um a, a tourist tourist thing and did yeah. a couple of laps and um i mean when i look back at it now i cringe i, I honestly <laughs> what, i cringe what i, I went um, i was in i was in um i was in my first 911 i bought from you guys oh the c4 the black yeah, one yeah, yeah i remember seeing the photo of that around yeah. the carousel it's a really cool That's photo it. that, it, 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 i was chuffed yeah. with it but um i had uh, an instructor with us from rsr okay yep all completely kind of happened 
organically and, and and i was so grateful that he was there he was a guy that lived in mexico came to germany did a tourist day at the ring loved yeah. it so much yep moved out there and became a coach wow i mean like that's, he really that's how much he loved, he <laughs> yeah. loved an airbag ring yeah. yeah and i was it was raining so we'd gone to rsr and they had a like playstation game so i was messing around uh on whatever PlayStation game it was with the yellow bird going around the Nürburgring, mm. not having a clue which way it was whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then from over my shoulder, he was just saying like, break here, do this, do that, you know, yeah. um, whatever graffiti in the road, right then hard left after the fourth tree. Like he, and he said he, he could do the lap blindfolded, no problem at yeah. all. Mm. And, he, and he offered to, to take us out and, and round and show me where to go, you know, from the passenger seat, which I was really grateful of. But um, yeah, like I said, I look back, I went out there, I took the car. I, I, I distinctly remember, bear in mind, I, I didn't insure, <laughs> you know, which again is mental, like, do not do that. But, but, but don't you think it's best to do that in the moment? And then you just go, get it, on with it. It's best don't to do it when it. you're young. Well, my <laughs> yeah. wife, Laura, called up and actually we'd, we'd literally been married about two months at the time. And she knew I was doing a tour through Europe anyway, just seeing various people through T911 magazine. The Nürburgring mm. was like an add-on that we decided to do. And um, she said, where are you? And I said, I'm just about to take our house deposit around the Nürburgring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uninsured. But um, it was one of those things. I, I'm really kind of, I was so pleased to do it. Mm. I, I, I hated it while I was doing it. And then yeah. as soon as I got home, yeah, yeah. I thought that's one of the coolest things I've ever done. To drive your own. To drive my, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And it, it was cool. So part of me, like the, in a perverse way, would love to go back again, but I'm just mm. kind of... Yeah, I, I love a track day, but I'm really kind of nervous, you know, <laughs> I, I, about I that. Caveat, I, I kind of talk about it like I'm like some kind of expert there. I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's why people get addicted to it, because um, the first three laps I, I did tourist laps okay, at, at yeah. the end of end of a day. And again, I was like, there was a dude in a Mini Cooper behind me, and I was in a GT3, and he was like, <laughs> move, dude. And I was like... <laughs> uh, and then we had instruction the next day. And it was a closed track day. There's only 90 cars on there, um, which obviously is a bit different. But the difference from when you started the day to the end of the day, I think is what's addictive because you kind of, you know, you do your first lap at wherever you do. And then by the end of that day, you maybe shave 20 seconds off. You can't shave 20 seconds off at Silverstone yeah, unless yeah. you like go around yeah, in reverse. Yeah. So the, the improvements are quite easy to, to be had. To and see, to understand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you kind of go, well, if I had, tires that's probably another five and i've had better you know and then you that's how i think yeah. people get into it but i think the instructions are good a really good point there as well because you know i a bit of a clang did a, a little podcast with lars kern and i said to him you know what would be your advice and he was like know where you're going you know <laughs> know which way the track goes yeah. because so many people come here and don't yeah and even if you've got a quick car how are you gonna get around it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that so yeah, it's a cool place. And again, we'll be going there for a few visits this year, which again are on the, on the events calendar. Excellent. Wow, you're busy boys, aren't you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Again, it is work. Yeah. It really is work. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you touched on it earlier, Greg, when you, you spoke about COVID and, and that, that was a busy time for you guys here in the showroom. Mm. And, and we are predominantly surrounded here in the showroom by kind of GT cars and, and other kind of modern machinery. What was very apparent to me on that track day at Donington was a lot of those GT cars were being driven and were being driven hard. And I mm. kind of, a few years ago, there was that school of thought, oh, lots of people are buying these GT cars and not being used properly and stuff. Uh, it's not really a school of thought that I think is particularly valid anymore. I feel like post-COVID, there's a real mm. kind of carpe diem <laughs> thing going on and, and yeah, people are music. using those cars again as they were intended. Yeah, and I think it's... Um 
it's, it's one of those tricky things where someone's got to be the first guy to go, oh, I'm going to drive it. I don't care. Because yeah. if like 90% of them are on trickle charger, everyone's like, yeah, leave it in storage. Don't put the miles on mm -hmm. it. And when those first few people get out in the car, put the miles on it, and then they sell it and they sell it for, you know, normal money and they buy it from someone respected like us. And they say to me, is it carbon on track? And I go, yeah, I was there every day. It was on track. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. No, sir. You know, <laughs> it, it's what they're built for. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's like asking to buy an airplane that's not been flown. It is what she was for. So eventually you kind of get over that little hill of people going, no, 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 I can't do it. So then people going, yeah, I tracked it and it's fine and it still exists. Nothing bad happened. Cool. And yeah. then everyone sort of follows. And that's what's what then has happened post COVID because, as, as you say, that I don't know what a psychologist would call that mentality, but the Effort mentality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Um, certainly came to, and then that was the same with purchases as well as using cars and, and Porsches and putting miles on them. Is, is What is going to be interesting is with the next sort of iteration of um, like a 4RS and the two uh, GT3 RSs, the, the 992s that come out this year, because they're now pushing up into another price point that we've mm. potentially not been in before which is what happened with the 901 rs's you know i think they peaked at like two to three hundred grand back in 2016 and there's potential that these ones are going to be late threes to late fours that's that's gonna enter a different you know bit of psychology i don't i don't know what will happen with the people that you know could potentially take a 200 grand profit out of these cars <laughs> are they gonna have that laissez-faire attitude um hopefully yeah because you know, that's what they're for um but we shall see I love the fact that with 991s, Gen 1 and 2 really with reference to GT3s, there were so many of them that it's it's kind of taken the pressure out of the market in that yeah. respect. And so people are going, yeah, look, I, I am going to track it because there are lots of them around and it's not so much that kind of numbers, game, rarity, et cetera. You know? Yeah, and and they are a easier car to to track in the in the nicest possible way in that because they're more modern a lot of them are still covered by Porsche's warranty so if you did have a problem you know Porsche don't mind if you've taken them on track as long as they've been maintained you know uh, as per the schedules um, but they're also slightly easier to you know majority of them obviously being PDK gearbox um, cars you know you, a lot of people kind of you know save the manuals and I'm like cool yeah manuals excellent they are great and they're so much fun but if you're really going to get a lick on if you've got 500 brake, 9,000 RPM, trust me, <laughs> PDK <Yeah>. gearbox <laughs> is going to help you a little bit. It yeah. just gives you that extra little bit of thinking space on the brakes usually. Uh, and obviously in the fast corner as well, you've only got to move your index finger than, you know, a whole arm change. Um, and so because of that, they're kind of, they, they lend themselves to be able to go quicker, safer basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's less probably less wear on the car to a certain extent as well, because they're so fast the car's probably operating at 70% of its capability when you're at 110%. You know, it's still got plenty left to go. Yeah. And so because of that, it's more forgiving. And obviously the TC systems and the, you know, the, the calibration that Porsche have got in the setup of the traction control is just phenomenal. I mean, Lars, he doesn't turn off the TC systems. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm quicker with them. Wow. You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's good the, enough for him. The man that set the, you know, signed it off is, is that's how he's rolling with it. It just, it just goes to show you. I mean, you, you know, very rarely, unless you're trying to get it out of shape, you know, it, it's, they're not going to do anything unpredictable. So, yeah. so yeah, numbers one, but two is just easier to 
use it on track, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's younger. Well, I mean, long may that continue, you know, because even from like a spectator point of view, and, and this is the other thing, you know, you, you can come along to these track days and just watch. Yep. It's, 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 mm. it's, a, it's a great day out, even if you just want to do that. And it's really, really awesome to see some proper metal out, yeah. out and about, you know, particularly reference to the modern stuff. Yeah. So um, if, if that's the kind of thing that's going to be on, on your calendar that's, that's this year, that's a good year, point about you know, going along to watch and soaking in the atmosphere. That'd be really good, actually, just to do that to, yeah, yeah. to understand it a bit. So are they all open track days? Uh, as yeah, far as I mean, again, it's, I think, probably a misconception that you, you kind of have got to pay to be there. You, know, yeah. you can just stand and watch. Um, you, you know, if you've got a friend that's going or, you know, you, you know someone there, you can buy a passenger wristband as well, yeah. you know, so yeah. you can go out in the passenger seat um if you trust the driver um (laughs) and that again you know sometimes if someone's never been on track i'm like why don't you just come along for the day yeah hop in the passenger seat see what you think of it soak up the atmosphere and see if if you like it yeah that's a really good point which no most people do (laughs) um yeah yeah, it's it's a really good day out to be honest yeah Yeah. Yeah. so yeah even if you if you don't fancy getting your car out and doing it then give you guys a shout and see if you can come along and yeah i mean you the, the thing is you will want to yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you've got blood in your veins <laughs> it's a slippery slope it's um yeah it, it really is but like it, you, you have to do it it's kind of my my view on it, it mm. like say you, you live once so give it a go and see what happens because even if you, do, you like I've, I've i don't think i've come across many people but you, sometimes people don't like you say you know mm. like you, you were saying i've, about done, I've done a few mm. uh, i've done uh, what have i done castle coombe and so I've done Bed- not Bedford Aerodrome. It was one out in sort of Norfolk Way, like Snetterton? an aerodrome type thing. Snetterton's no. great. Yeah. It started with a B, <laughs> but I can't. But not Bedford. But Brighton not Bedford. Park. Oh no. We'll Brim- call it Brent- Brighton. Brentwaters. That was it. Brentwaters, oh, okay. which I think is an airfield. But it was right. Yeah. Uh, and then I've done a bike track day up at Cadwell Park, which was oh. just. <laughs> <laughs> You've yeah. done Cadwell Park. No. 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 Oh my word! That was crazy. I mean, it's crazy on a bike, let alone what it'd be like in a car. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't got a mad hankering to go back, but maybe I need to. What's the reason? Like, what are you, what's the thing that's definitively stopping you? It is that addiction thing. Really, yeah. yeah. I think I probably would get addicted to it. Yeah. And kind of, don't, I've got enough stuff going on already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, what else would, yeah, what would give, I guess. I yeah. guess that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So I, I think you also get, you don't get the same buzz from it. I don't know. You think maybe it's a similar sort of buzz from like road trips and like events and stuff like yeah. that. Cause don't get me wrong. It's quite cool going to like cars and coffee things, but yeah, you're probably not going to be driving it too quickly. But once you get yeah. into Europe, it's just such, you know, you do quite oh, yeah, a lot of European stuff, don't you? And there's, it's, it's a different kind of buzz because yeah. you're covering big distances at high average speeds, kind of, you know, plotting your course, not knowing, Really, where you, I mean, sat now is obviously making it easier up, these yeah. days at yeah. But, um, you know, and then you get to your, your, your destination, you get to sit down, chill out, and, and those sorts of things. You're, I love it when you, you know, you go on your phone and it flicks up memories from like five years ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that trip. Yeah. And is it, you know, I couldn't say I remember every single track that I did last year, but I can remember every single event I've done probably ever because yeah, there's yeah, always right. a story, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, from yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh. And that's when people bond with their cars, I've noticed. Yeah. Track days, I suppose you do because you know you're kind of you're working together. But when you go on a three thousand mile road trip in it, yeah, you know that thing by the time I you think, get back. <laughs> I think that that's probably why I don't. Yeah, I haven't got the hankering for a track day because I've got much more hankering for doing like a Euro trip or something yeah. like that. Yeah, 
right a road trip seeing stuff yeah I, i'm not sure i want to go hammering around a track and seeing the same corner but how good is it times. because the very same car can deliver you exactly what you want there in your european road trip yeah and then it can deliver exactly what greg wants in a in a track day at spa or the nurburgring yeah. like the yeah. very same car and there's very very few sports cars that have that kind of de- dexterity oh, yeah, to me you, you yeah. know yeah it's it's quite incredible really yeah. and you're right there are people that would just want to do road trips you know all summer and, and that's yeah. that's fine it's yeah. a different type of buzz as you say greg you know yeah i mean it's lighter on the car you know yeah. generally speaking it's not it's not it's not putting as much uh, effort through the car to do it um but again you know like if you go to germany and you do some of the high speed stuff on the autobahns and it's again it's like it's a buzz oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's really good fun but yeah. um yeah i mean you know it's always that kind of we talked about it just before we started filming about you know using the car and it's a tricky one because like when you turned up in December and you're going, you, can even, like, you could see the number plate. But, you know, she had been used. But, yeah. You know, some people are like, oh, it's my, you know, and it's my life savings in this car. And I'm like, I totally get that, man. And then like, I don't want to put 15,000 miles a year and have crazy running costs and then it affects the value of my car. And, and so there's this kind of, there's a bit of a thing at the moment, like, I have to come remember what the phrase is don't hide it and drive it or something. What's, what's the phrase? Driven not hidden. Driven not hidden. Sorry, that's it. I've got some stickers actually, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's which is there. cool. I'm like totally man. You know, get yeah. out and drive the thing, and it's that kind of tricky balance, isn't it? Because yeah. if someone's bought a five thousand mile seven year old car, they bought it because they wanted a really lovely example of its type, and then there's that. Oh, I don't oh, want to put too many miles on it, but I really want to drive it and. Yeah, we're all, yeah. We're all different. I suppose that's the only thing against road trips is you can kind of bang some miles on those things oh, yeah. quick. Get track some days. road rash. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Signs of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Track days are like yeah, 150 miles on a track day. You're not actually going to do that yeah. many. Um, yeah. But I've got yeah, there's a case for both. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's why so many people have multiples. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> more than one. It is funny because the Porsche is the do it do it all sports car, but at the same time, people everybody's have got, got five for different <laughs> uses. You know, but. Like where you said there, Greg, that you, you feel that you really bond with your sports car on a on a road trip and a mm. Porsche. I, I agree with that. And I also feel like if you do a track day, it just adds a bit of colour to that experience as well. Because if, if as we said earlier on, if you're driving the car on its door handles, when it comes to doing something on the road, like I say, you just, you know what the car can do. Yeah. And, and I think that it gives you the confidence to just, you, you know, you know exactly what it's going to do. No matter, no matter the situation, whether it's track or road or, or wherever, and you're driving around Europe, again, you're not going to get yourself into, hopefully anyway, anything like the same mess as you, as you would do no. a track day, not unless no. something's yeah. gone seriously wrong. And yeah. it just gives you the confidence that you know what that car's going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really does kind of, yeah, pay into itself, I think, really. That's why people, when they don't do many miles in them and sell them, they don't care so much. Whereas when you've got yeah, a guy absolutely. or a girl who's had a car for 10 years and they put... 25k on it. Yeah, a little tear goes in the eye. It, yeah. You but yeah. not the amount of people that they're like, oh, that's some great. Like only today actually, we sold a uh, one Gem One GT3, and uh, the chap's got a couple of nice cars, and he's like, I was kind of slightly sad that yeah. that sold, yeah. um, but it's because he's had memories in it, and yeah, then yeah. and then it kind of makes, and this is a bit of good man maths, right? Is that it makes more of a financial case for itself because if the car goes down in value. And it does sometimes happen, you know, uh, and you've done 500 miles in two years. You're like, ugh, that was a horrible purchase. Whereas if the thing has done 15,000 miles in two years and it's lost 10 grand and you go, 
yeah. grand, grandchildren ain't going to worry about my 15 grand, 10 grand loss or whatever it is, but they're going to want to see the photos and all the fun I had yeah. in that car. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. You can logic a bit of depreciation better and that will happen, you know, you know market goes in waves. Yeah. And if you get really lucky and it goes up, you're like, that was the best thing you ever sold me, Greg. That was great financial yeah, advice. Yeah. I'm like, it wasn't. You <laughs> bought it because you wanted to do stuff with it and that's the right way of doing it. Yeah. But, it but it's, it's an emotive purchase. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, They're not logical. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you, you assimilate it, like you say, to, to buying a bottle of whiskey and never opening it. And then, and then, you know, you go to sell it and it's gone down in value. The whole thing is a complete and utter waste of time. In my point of view, others, <laughs> others may differ and I appreciate that, but it is, it is kind of the same thing really with yeah. these cars. Yeah, totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. That different kind of bonding, you say, Greg, the difference between a road trip and a track day is really interesting. I did do two track evenings actually mm-hmm. at Bedford in my 997 in 2016, something like that. So a long time ago now. And they definitely felt like more like tests of me (laughs) um, in terms of my ability to get stuff out of the car. Yep. Um, And there are some things that stick in my memory about when I got that right, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as anything else. But uh, I did a lot more road tripping in my 997, you know, big trips to Italy and that sort of thing. Mm. And those big drives are definitely the the things that I I think I enjoyed more. And certainly I get built more memories, more experiences from, you know, crossing that challenge of crossing (laughs) countries and things like that and being in the Alps and seeing things and different weather conditions Mm. more so than, yeah, those, those, those track days, they, they were definitely challenges for me, you know, that I took on and I was being tested by the car almost. Cause you say <laughs> yeah. the car's very capable. Yeah. And I had to try and do something with it. Yeah. And it was quite, um, you know, you say you don't always do that many miles on a track day because it's quite tiring. Yeah. You know, to yeah, concentrate physically. and try and get the most out of the car, you, you mm. need to stop and just take a little, little breather. Yeah. Yeah. No, no definitely. Um, were you going to do any more road trips in yours this year? Yeah. 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 Definitely. I, I haven't had the, I suppose, partly because I bought it. In between lockdowns, I haven't had the 991 into Europe yet. Yeah. So, which will be brilliant for That's a challenge so for this year. Pretty keen to get it. Yeah, pretty keen to get it over there. Yeah, we, we've said before on this podcast that those cars just blossom in, in, in Europe because quite feasibly in the same day you go from Autobahn to amazing Alpine Pass and everything in between. Yeah. You know, so it really is one extreme to the other. We just don't have that in this country. We, you know, we have it in a, in a little way, but you know, the M62 <laughs> and then Ballater Festiniog isn't quite the Swiss Alps to the Autobahn. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, yeah, you, you'll, you'll love that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I've, I can't remember if it's been out yet in T911 in my column talking about, um, cars, I think cars benefit from being used. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. And I also think with 911s, particularly maybe on bias, cause that's my thing. I think you benefit from being in your 911 a lot mm-hmm. because they are different to normal cars. Yeah. And the more time you spend in them, the more time you drive them, I think the more you get out of them and they get out of you. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. As well, mm. I think. Mm. Become one. And I certainly haven't <laughs> driven my 991 in this period since I bought it as much as I did the 997, which was my only car and I drove it. You know, I did 17,000 miles in the first year and 12,000 miles in the second year. Yeah. That's probably more miles than I've done in the 991 at all so far. So I haven't yeah. had that kind of bond, if we can yeah, use that yeah. word, yeah. yeah, with that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we sometimes see it when, you know, cars come through the workshop. Um, cars that are regularly used, you know, decently and nicely warmed up, you know, driven quickly probably when, when they are warm, as opposed to a car that's used once every six months. You know, they go through you know, more heat cycles and everything seems to be just... Um, feels more supple when you get in it. It's a yeah. weird thing because if I'm sure people listen to this podcast clearly into their cars, but you know, you can, you get this, you drive, guys drive loads of different cars. You can drive 10 examples of one car 
and you get in one of them and go, that one feels nice. And yeah, it's yeah. never the mileage. It's never got anything to do with the mileage. Mm. They just sometimes feel nicer um, because they've been used a bit. But. Yeah. yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And so on, on the subject of that, I want to switch things up a bit. Yeah. So we'll move away from track days. And um, Andy and I were having a conversation on, on the way up, just talking about uh, other cars we'd like to own and you know, just discussing what might tempt us over the next couple mm. of years, weren't we really? And it relates back to last year, a friend of mine gave us a, 964 C2 cab on like a long term, long term loan. I was helping him store it while not having an MR on a miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, the, you know, the, the, the reason Nigel gave us that car was because I was considering like classic cabriolet ownership. We've yep. spoken about this a lot on the podcast before. And um, I, I'm so kind of pleased, as I say, like the generosity to let us have that. But it allowed me to try before you buy, sort of thing, not mm. that specific car. But, um, it kind of made me realize that I don't want a classic cab. And the reason I justified this, I've just written about this in my TN11 column as well, is that I think the difficulty with me is, especially being a 996 owner, like they're, they're very, very, very good value for money. 100%. Um, yeah. So you, you can't, I think you, you struggle to justify the value elsewhere. And I think for me with my garage, to spend double the amount of my current car mm-hmm. on a Porsche I would use less than half as much as that car, Yep, I really struggled to justify the value. And I kind mm. of said to Andy, mm. you know, I, I would n- almost want and need quite a substantial price correction in the classic market to kind of contemplate that going forward. Yep. And I thought, well, does that even apply to just to cabriolets? What about coupes as well? Because you don't see them on the road as much as the modern stuff, but no. the values of they accelerated away, you know, five, six years ago and have just remained kind of there or thereabouts kind of since really. Yeah. And uh, I, I suppose I'm just kind of wondering, I don't want to be controversial, but <laughs> are classics kind of a little bit overpriced? Uh, <laughs> um, so, well, the ultimate answer is no, because the market dictates the, the value of, of anything, car, watch, house, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's not always the the logical things that dictate the values. So, for example, 996s, if you look at them dynamically in terms of steering feel, being naturally aspirated, the weight of the car, the accessibility to majority of you know um, society to be able to buy that sort of car. Yeah. If someone far cleverer than I put that into a big spreadsheet, it probably comes up pretty high up there because, uh, you know, we're blessed with being able to drive all these insane cars you get in a nice c2 996 3436 whatever they drive absolutely beautifully really really nice and we get it often where someone has had the latest and greatest you know lumpy stuff at you know x hundred thousand they drive them and go cool these are good <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> they're really good um so if you looked at it simply on driving dynamics alone yeah. yes i think you could argue that some of the older girls are a bit overvalued however it's obviously not just that it's that you know again we grew up at the same sort of era and if in 20 years time a 996 c2 was 60 grand and we could afford it we'd just buy it because you grew up always wanting that Mm -hmm. and that's the same i think with 964s 32s scs you know and, and and backwards is that People kind of almost accept that they're not worth that. <laughs> That's not yeah. what it's about. They just they just particularly want that car. Yeah, the air cooled stuff does give a very different driving experience. You know, it's it's not the last word in ultimate you know driving dynamics, but it's a bit like 
riding an old Ducati, it's, it's, it's no one cares. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's so different to any other, you know, if we're going to go air cool 911s, let's yeah. be specific. It, it, there's, n- there's not many other cars on the market that can give that driving experience. And that goes the same with 911s generally. You think about rear-wheel drive, rear-engined performance cars. I don't think there is any, unless anyone can quickly correct me. No, no. Whereas if you said, I want to experience a car that's front-engine, rear-wheel drive with big power, we could probably all name 10 off the bat. So then there's also, you know, there's, there's so many facets to this because you've also got the kind of the... Yeah. And I and I don't mean it in a negative way, but like the wanting to be cool thing. Because driving an air cooled car is cool, man. You know, you see that someone in a, you know, a black two point four S smoking around London, and it's like that man's got class. <laughs> that man yeah. looks cool. Yeah. Um, and therefore, there's a there, there is a tangible cost to be able to be that guy, and that's what some people want. So I, I get I get where you're going yeah. though. It's like, oh, hang on, my car can do better miles a gallon, better top speed better lap time cost less to run cost fraction of the car you know car's price to buy why would i not buy that one over that mm. one but I, I, I don't know chip in if anyone there's, disagrees there's just so many factors to it isn't there yeah it's interesting because you know if you were to look at you know, what else is sort of at the same sort of time as air cooled 911s there's lots of other stuff that you could purchase that would be um similar in its cool factor, but somehow it's not so accessible or it's not got the scene behind it, you know, the 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 culture, people in the culture, yeah. um, being able to get the parts for it, yeah. having people that can, like yourselves, that can repair maintain them, them, maintain yeah. them. Um, so if you go for, I don't know, let's take a, a shark-nosed BMW. Mm-hmm. That's bloody cool driving along in that, isn't it? Yeah. But... How many weekends of the year are you going to be able to go, oh, I fancy going to an event where, yeah. and I like loads of other guys of similar age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are going to be there. And then how many of those bits that have gone wrong on it, can I actually buy? Am I then going to turn into this guy that's just got to make bits Slaved myself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just become, yeah. I mean, I guess of, the other thing is, and, I think it's often overlooked when sometimes people are like writing articles and stuff, but it's the usability of the car because yeah. you've got four seats. If we're focusing on an air called 911, because yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got three daughters and having two door Porsches is, is great, but it means I come home on a Friday and it sits there until Monday morning. Yeah. As you come home in a 911, you're like, hey guys, do you want to go out and you know, drop you off at ballet or whatever in the 911? Yeah. And they're like, yeah cool and it's like <laughs> you know you just can't do that with many other sports cars supercars yeah. um and to be fair at a price point a lot of people want to pay you know? yeah um, just because they're worth more now than they were 10 years ago it's just one of them things isn't it mm, your houses yeah. i think it's, yeah i think it's gonna there's gonna be another argument on you know are they worth more or less than you think they are I sometimes know. i think when's it when can it stop yeah Hundred percent, yeah. And yeah. also, as well, I think I, I kind of, you know, I said earlier on, a Porsche is an emotive purchase, and yet I'm looking at this very logically, like all too logically, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, and, yeah. and also, I, I, I don't, don't think it makes sense if you do it logically. No, well, that, that's well, why no, no purchase. That's why I didn't buy like, one for twenty years. Yeah, because it was always just too much. It was always that you could think of a better reason not to than so, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something else, and then it, uh, yeah, in the end, it was just like f it. Come on, I've always one. wanted one. Just get on and do it. And Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I, know, well, I think great. to a point it can be a logical 
purchase it because it, it depends uh, what your Porsche aspiration was when you were growing up or not, not necessarily when you grew up from from whatever age your Porsche aspirational ownership journey started yeah. mm. you know what was that being driven by and for me it was being driven by um, partly it was by going to Le Mans and seeing 962s but that's that's a different thing yeah, yeah. in 911 terms it was about seeing 911s being used seeing them on people's driveways and seeing people driving them and back then you the know, every, that was 32s you know it, it, was, it was the bookie down the road Jeff who had a black 32 Carrera <laughs> the guy a couple of doors down from him who had potentially Paul Preston's Martini Turbo okay, from yeah. you yeah. and they were using those cars yeah so I I grew up and then moving here and seeing the black turbo with the turbo registration these cars are being used and I thought mm. I want to I want to push 911 and I want to use it. So that's, that's directed my journey. So I, I, mm. I haven't grown up thinking I want a GT3 to do track days. I grew up thinking I want a Porsche 911 as a car, mm. meaning something that I'm going to use. And that's definitely informed my purchase uh, yeah, decisions. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, to answer like, I suppose my own question is like, when will it stop? I guess it probably won't. And I don't mean that in like a sales point of view. Yeah. That mm. was going to go up because sometimes it go down, you know, whatever yeah. happens, but is that, you know, kids that are three years younger than uh, three generations below us, you know, that aren't even like walking and talking yet. Well, hopefully there'll be a generation of them growing up that look at GT fours or play them on the PlayStation. And then they get to an age where these are classic cars and they're like, Oh, I always wanted one of them. Yeah, yeah. And if that means at that point, a GT4 is £200,000 and they've got £200,000, mm. they'll pay £200,000 for it. It's yeah. just, yeah. it's yeah. like I said earlier, the market dictates value, not not a dealer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes some dealers try to, but <laughs> it's a different, <laughs> different conversation altogether. Yeah. <laughs> just turn the mic off. I reckon yeah. we've got 15, 20 years until like air-cooled 911s then start going down. And why, why I say that is because, you know, you look back at, um, it's all a generation game, isn't it? It's when guys are 40, 50, they want to buy what they saw when they were 19 year olds, 20s. Yeah. 20s yeah. yeah. So the guys that are now 70, what were they into? What was their stuff? Like E-types and stuff like that. Yeah. And are they, what's the, they, what's the market dipping. on those? I mean, they're I'm dipping. no E-type yeah. specialist, but they have seen a softening in price. I'm, Led to believe for exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's the '80s, '90s stuff that's that's yeah. on song. It's the one that everybody wants because Just happens to be the stuff everyone wants to yeah. buy. Like I want to buy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. you know, 22 yeah. Bs at quarter of a million quid. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Yeah. People literally played on the PlayStation with that car and was like, "I want yeah. that in reality." Yeah. And yeah. they don't really care what it costs. Yeah. And there's, well, I guess you've got you know, numbers produced as well because you know Mark One. Ford Focus was actually a great handling car, but guess what? They made them by the millions, so they're yeah, only worth yeah. 500 quid now, but, you know, 22B, they only made 400 of them. Well, that's the same funny thing. enough, though, there's probably less Mark 1 Focuses on the road than there are 911s of the similar <laughs> It's probably true. Yeah, it's, what, what was that? Because they were that rotted, rotted and rusted into oblivion. Them, yeah. <laughs> they're worth 500 quid and everybody's chucked them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just somewhere in the undergrowth of everybody's front garden in Dagenham, <laughs> basically. Yeah, absolutely. You Every know? time the government bring a scrappage scheme out on new cars, yeah, they're the ones. Yeah. Gosh, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't want to pee anybody off, you know, any kind of classic owners. It's, it's everybody's kind of 
uh, Porsche journey and an idea is different uh, and whatnot. And it's great to get your guys' perspective on it. You know, mm. they're called owner, Greg, you know, you've, you've bought and sold plenty of them as well. So it, it is interesting. Yeah. The, the other thing I've noticed is there doesn't seem to tend to be a lot of classic cars like air cool cars for sale at the moment yeah there, i mean yes quick there's a quick answer there's uh, you know obviously there's a bit of a the singer thing with 964s for yeah. example which is yeah. a model we we do a lot of resto work on and a lot you know even i traded a couple um last year to be turned into singers you know through um ian and cool because some of those air cool classic cars were total sheds yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like one of one of the examples was a car that had been owned by a guy for two decades <laughs> and there's a romantic view that oh wow that's amazing but it's been, yeah, been hadn't been maintained to mm. the standard of, of, of a car that is now worth 75 grand so you kind of go well its value might be this but it needs to have double that to make it a nice one yeah so then you know people like Singer come in and obviously they just need the shell so it kind of gets stripped back but uh, maybe it's because a lot of the people that bought into the air-cooled cars two, three, four years ago and now have seen such a rise on them have kind of gone, well, these cars have done, like one guy who owns that one behind me, he said cars have outperformed every other purchase I've ever done, you know, shares and all that kind of stuff. So, and then you get the fact that you can drive the thing, touch it, see it. I get maybe it's a bit of the investment side of things, Um but the other thing I was just thinking while you were talking about about air cooled ownership is you get your kicks at a lower speed. I forgot to sort of That's a really touch onto that. Yeah. Is that you know the the case for that car is okay? It's you know say compared to a nine nine six E two four times the value for a nine six four, but your car's so much more dynamically capable of than it that you've got to go really quite fast to get the best from it. And the same with the nine oh seven, nine oh one, nine oh two. Whereas you hop in a three two or a nine six four and you're like, wow, oh I'm doing thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is that kind of buzz, isn't it? Yeah. Um slightly digress from your your question. But yeah, that's another thing I thought it it gives a more fun at low speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well mm. there's plenty in the mix there for I think everybody to reflect on even people at home and um yeah probably get a lot of lot of hate mail in the next week or two but uh yeah look, look elsewhere in this showroom there's mm. there's a, a lot of mid-engine stuff as well like gt4 spiders you you guys are a real yeah, fan spiders. of that mid-engine so platform yeah. yeah yeah i'll bring them in stack them up um yeah. no i think again you kind of look at that kind of purchase price running costs availability of car performance that it can give is so high up on the scale you know in majority of drivers hands you know gt4 for example that sat behind lee there you know they're going to probably drive it nearly as quick as a, as a gt3 yeah and a lot of people may sit there and scoff but the reality is when you're on track and you're giving it 10 tenths there's not as much between them as people think there actually is when mm. we looked at some data traces when we were at spa last year and out of a few of the corners the gt4 was matching the the rs to a certain speed obviously yeah. it's much yeah. more powerful um, so they're nimble, they're great, and they're great-looking cars. And that spider over there, Ooh, look at it. <laughs> it, it looks mean. Just yeah, murdered out, and it looks lovely. Murdered <laughs> out, <laughs> full gloss black. It's uh, dripping, isn't it? But, <laughs> it's just dripping. You know, like when boxers were first introduced in the, uh, I was about to say seventies, <laughs> um, in the late nineties. You know, they were kind of looked down upon a little bit, but that's like yeah. just a different era, isn't it? Like now, people come in a lot. You know, I've had lads that have had couple of gt4s and gone three three rs then gone back down to gt4 because they're like mm. amount of money invested versus 
performance and running costs. Yeah. What, what a lot of Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, and you think, you know, a 20, was that as a 2021 car to be in a GT3, you would be pretty much twice, well, a bit more, twice yeah. the money to be yeah. in the same age GT3. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of fuel and track days mm-hmm. <laughs> or mods with us. Yes. <laughs> Low ratio Cranwell opinions, <laughs> ST brakes. <laughs> do, do you find people are tempted with that then? Because I think, especially in like our, of reviews of GT4s, mm. it's almost easy to pick the faults because the natural comparison is versus a 911 because yeah. that's what Porsche have always done. That's almost like, well, let's compare the Cayman to the blueprint Porsche, mm-hmm. which isn't really fair, but I suppose yeah. it does leave room for a bit of... Yeah, I mean, you know, right, like when back in the 60s, when the 911 was first designed, it was designed to be adapted to do what you want with it, you know, he'll climb it at the weekend and drive it, you know, we're not doing anything revolutionary here, this has been around as as long as these these things have been on the road, so, you know, people's desire to adapt them and, you know, improve them where they, you know, where it's possible. It's great. It's it's like uh, it's funny enough, like six fours. There's a bit of a theme here. Six fours, nine nine sixes, GT fours. People don't mind a modded one, whereas there's certain models you've got to keep like really nice and standard, like a nine nine three, for example. People kind of like no. their original. Sorry, Andy. Yeah. Apart from you, actually, you are. You, yeah. <laughs> You're the one that's messing it all up. There's <laughs> <laughs> people out there like losing their mind. Man. <laughs> really, have you watched the um, nine video this week? Uh, not yet. Four modified nine nine. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. I'm wrong. Starting a revolution. Yeah. I retract what I just said. But, you know, people buying these with a few mods on them, people yeah. are cool with, you know, yeah. we, uh, we've sold quite a few of them that have had the Cranwell and Pinion conversion, which, you know, the car, it's almost like it should have had it from the factory. But again, like 996 GT3s back in the day, our gearbox builder, Dave, people were collecting them and having them bought in to have Cranwell and Pinion from Cup Car put into them. You know, ah, it's, yeah. not, it's not new. Not new. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. these things have always been sort of said. Uh, but, you know, Porsche have done all their R&D and for that car, for 90% of people using it, for 90% of the uses they see, yeah. it's absolutely fine. But if you sort of want something different, yeah. that's what we're here for. That is cracking. Absolutely cracking. I think we better pick a gem of the week. Ooh. Oh, what? From what we've got around here? Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, Max, uh, it'd be great to get some input from you here because you're Mr. Specs, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were here half an hour earlier, so you've had a good poke around, didn't you? Well, actually, I was looking uh, through there, and uh, maybe it's at the front because I couldn't see it, but the 718 came in GTS. Four litre, the crayon one, with black wheels, yes. manual. Yeah, lovely car. I saw that yeah. on your website. Tell you what, anyway. he has done his own work. They yes. are underrated car. Yeah. They are so because they they effectively got the box and engine box from a GT4, but yeah. obviously detuned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. That's an awesome thing. And on the website, when I was looking at it, the car that's next to it for just a little bit more money. So this is a seven seven eighteen came with GTS four litre, and it was a nine eight one. So a sort of previous gen Spider, to yeah. be fair, Spider, mm. which was a little bit more money. And that just made the Cayman just stand out. I thought, what? A, what? Yeah. Why would you not buy that? It yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. We've got great finance deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. Yeah, yeah. So Good shout. Yeah, yeah. I was taken with that. Yeah. You're taking with that. Yeah. I, only non-GT car with a four-litre engine, isn't it? Within, yeah. within yeah. Porsche, which is a you know really cool, really yeah. cool draw. Yeah. I think yeah, for anybody, yeah. you know. What so about you, then, Lee? 
Uh, no, well, I'm happy to go with, with that, to be honest with you. Oh, I think okay. that's pretty compelling. I mean, the, the, oh, do you only do one? I think you got one each. Well, I still, well, we can have as many oh, as you so like. you want each, boys. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a profitable evening this has turned out to be. Yeah, we, we've said before that we feel like where all of our Porsche tastes meet is with Boxster Spiders. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, we love yeah. them. And as Andy pointed out, the, the black on black on black spider in the corner there it's yeah it, yeah. it is beautiful and you know, black cars don't really do it for me to be, i know my first 911 was was basalt black but um yeah i don't know why for some reason that just really works yeah. doesn't it yeah, yeah. It's amazing. it does it i'll tell you what I'll, I'll take it go on as long as you uh, throw in the valeter that comes with it it can wash it every day <laughs> great news that's a deal sir <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they they do offer a lot of value for money. That particular one, I mean, you've probably seen on the website, that's got ST brakes, which are, you know, awesome set of ceramics. Yeah. It's got KWs on it, and it's also got um, the low-ratio crown and pinion. Oh, wow. It's got some other little mods on it too. But, you know, that literally can do everything. That do yeah. road trips, roof yeah. down, wow. track days, going to work in it. Oh. But it looks totally stock standard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he's melting. Yeah. <laughs> Might just have, and have a private moment yeah. around the back of it. <laughs> Can you wait till we've gone? <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, is, that is cool. And again, that's, that's very much a Nineworks radio car, I think. Yeah, 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 to, yeah absolutely. To be honest with you. But, we do need um, to get one. Don't we, somehow? <laughs> somehow. The front yeah. plate holder looks like it's fallen off as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That probably was, look a that's what like does that. it for me. <laughs> they, they, they really do. They really I'll get, do. i get some magnets on the front of that. would be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you sold the manual 992, the black one? We did. I sold it on Christmas Eve and I handed it over on Boxing Day. Um, oh, yeah, I sold oh, it wow. to a very lovely gentleman who's a, uh, who's a gas trader. Um, ah. so nice year <laughs> yeah. um, but he's you know particularly wanted a manual one um, I think it was obviously bonus season but um, what a cool car I don't know why that car took out so long to Me sell either. it had all the right toys because I couldn't afford it that's why <laughs> <laughs> but to drive it you know I, I make a point of driving everything that comes through the door again massive hardship I know um, but you know to be able to speak to someone over the phone that's you know, 200 miles away it's nice to say yep yeah, I've been in I've that one it, yeah. and I just I just, I actually thought that car was a bit, a bit of a handful in a, like a, in a cool way because you guys have all driven the 992s. You know, that's a powerful car, even the base one with the torque and on the road because it's, you know, it gives its grunt like two and a half to five and a half. I mean, it revs out, but it, it was wet the day it came in. And there's something about, I know we said earlier about like, you know, last of the manuals, all this kind of stuff, but there's something about manual with that turbocharged engine that I actually kind of, it, it weirdly reminded me of an 996 GT2. I know that sounds a bit mad because that's a really, really aggressive turbocharged mm. car. And that's not. But it's that kind of turbo surge with a manual box and being in an 911. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I like that car. That was a cool thing. They just don't, I think, like, I don't know what's the stats, like 1% or 2 Is It's something yeah. tiny. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like fi- it, finding one is a challenge. Yeah, yeah. but it yeah. works. This is good. Good little configuration, that is. Yeah, yeah. When, when that car came out, you did a video in the wet on it, didn't you? And yeah. you found it pretty lively. Yeah, it was. In an enjoyable way. Definitely, you? yeah. You mm. couldn't, um, you, you can't jump into that car half asleep, you know, no. that, well, that will. But again, yeah, arguably, as a sports car, that's kind of what it should be about, yeah, yeah. in True. a way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised there's not, there hasn't been as many of them, mm. without a doubt. Mm. Yeah. Without a doubt, no? Yeah, yeah. and that seven-speed box... I just, you know, sometimes I read funny things about those manuals, but I thought I think they're a nice box. You know, it's yeah. slick. It feels nice, and you know where you are in the gears and stuff. But, but.
but yes, it did sell Max. Yeah, I was waiting for you, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do, I do feel like that could be a, a car that I'll be seeking out. Evolve into, into. yeah. Mm. In the, the, the 992 seven speed manual yeah. is an absolute world away from the 991 Gen 1 seven speed mm-hmm. in, in, in almost every way, actually. And, and I think you, Greg, mentioned on the Nine Works TV video last at the back end of last year. We filmed it in December, but it went live in January. Cars to buy in 2023. Mm-hmm. And um, the six-speed of the 997 Gen 2 came in for particular praise, rightly so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, you know. Rifle bolt gets thrown around a lot mm-hmm. in, uh, in, when describing gearboxes amongst journalists. <laughs> but I, I feel like that could be reserved for that. I think it's pretty apt. And, um, you know, we've kind of, as enthusiasts, kind of been craving, outside of GT cars, of course, we've been craving a really good stick shift kind of ever since. And I kind of feel like finally, 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 Porsche got it right with the seven speed for the 992. Yeah. You know, it, it took seven, eight years of development, but we're finally there. It's a cracker. So yeah. it's noticeably better than it was in 991.2 GTS because you do get yeah. manuals. Of those. There are a few more. They're, d- they're in super demand as well. Whenever you get yeah. one of them in, they sell super quick. Yeah, yeah. they're mm. popular gearbox. But um, I think the problem is, is you just you still won't see many of them because yeah. when it comes to that point of putting your money down, paying your deposit for your new slot, people will go, oh, you know, <laughs> is there a reason why ninety eight percent of them are PDKs? Yeah. And to be fair, that box works nicely with that car and if you're going to use it for eight to ten thousand miles a year as a daily smoker it, it might be slightly better yeah. for you you know it, we're, we're all different beings but that's the beauty isn't it you know every yeah. every 911 i think has got a different spec on it or something mad but yeah um it's weird isn't it over the, i think over the years isn't it that you know, when people buy new cars the tiptonic back in the 993 days yeah that was, had tips as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they would. You know, that was deemed the modern way, and that was revolutionary. Yeah, mm. and you'd probably be better short term with your money. Yeah, valid. But yeah. It, it over the the history of from from then onwards, it's showed that you know you've got that ten year the safe period, and then autos just dive because basically they're like sat navs, aren't they? You know. Within ten years, they're, oh, they're old hat. Yeah, the new technologies come in and swept the old stuff away. So the manual is the everlasting because it's always <laughs> it can't can't get old. We we were, we were talking about funnily enough about this. Um, I think it was last year we were predicting Porsche's never made one of uh, one of the automated manuals. You know, like an SMG yeah. or the I can't remember what they called it in Ferraris and Lamborghinis, but it's effectively or it's a manual box with yeah. automated clutches that they will become slightly collectible because mm. they're kind of, they're very different and they're kind of the first of their breed in that, that type of arena. Yeah. But Porsche have always either had torque converter or, or DCT, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, um, PDK, sorry, all the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like 997s, you know, that was the first era where the PDK came out and obviously everyone was like, oh my God, need this, this is amazing. And there was a few people who probably thought of as oddballs. I mean, I sold yeah, them new. Them in the manual, and yeah. I did Really? Get, yeah, don't yeah. get a manual, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, your, your car would be worth nothing. The other thing I wish when I sold them was that someone had explained to me 12 years ago the benefits of LSDs. Because when you, you know, when you're a factory option back in 97 year, I think it was like eight, Hundred quid or a grand. I just yeah. told every single person, buy one, get an LSD, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them didn't have them. Um, yeah. But hindsight is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. Um, 992s with the manual boxes, they come with a mechanical. Yes, they do. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah. It's probably one of the things that makes it such a. Yeah, that might be something to do with it. Car to drive. 
Mm. So I thought that day when I was here with James Bullen and the Redbourne guys. Oh, yes. And we were in there chatting. And, um, <laughs> Free merch, uh, you know, <laughs> So I really want uh, 991.1 GT3 because that's a car I spent a bit of time in, which is unusual for me other than my own Porsche. Going to have to break I it really to you. didn't do a manual. <laughs> really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was just fantastic. Oh, that's a car. And you had a GT Silver Yes, we did. One, I think, with folding buckets, uh, maybe without a cage. And I thought, pl- platinum yes. wheels, steel yes. brakes. I thought, that 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 would be the one for me. That would be a perfect car for me. But the 992 was outside. Mm-hmm. And there was similar money. I think maybe the 992 was a little bit more. And I thought, but actually, unless in buying the GT3, it slightly changed the way that I used my 911, mm-hmm. I'd actually probably Get more go with the 992. Yeah. Which seemed, I thought, God, I can't believe I'm thinking that because I think I really want another. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to say that out loud. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to drive them, they're quite, I mean, you've been out in both of them, I'm sure, but they're obviously different, different beasts. But uh, yeah, they, I, I know exactly. What you, there's an argument for both, and I don't mean yeah. that flippantly. I couldn't afford both, but you, you could see why someone would have that, and the 992 is maybe more of a week, yeah, know, yeah. Uh, weekday, yeah. weekday car because it, it lends itself to it. But again, they, I said, I think we said in one of the buying guys about those 991 GT3s is you get out of them now, and, and you go on a test drive in like weather like today, and I'm like, that's a handful. That is a fast, fast car, yeah. and you know, compared to a 992, which is twice the price. Yes, they're a little bit quicker here and there, but. For ninety percent of use, what a machine! Oh, they're oh, like just, better and better and better value yeah, all the time. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. How that they sound different to the Gen Two and the Nine Nine Two at that eight to nine. Yeah, different, but yeah, they're good car. That's something else on my. We do rear seat conversions for them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's also yeah, a bit yeah, of a game. Dingo here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on my or around my fortieth birthday, I did. Uh, I went to Porsche Experience Centre. Ah, and did. Yep. Um, not forty. Did one of their things for a long time. <laughs> it was a few years so ago. So I did the arrow. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason he's on the radio. <laughs> and 991.1 GT3 was the was the GT3 op- the current car of the time. So yeah. I, I had 90 minutes God, in that. that time ago. And <laughs> 997.2 GT3 3.8. Yes. Yep. So both lovely cars, but the 991 just just blew me away. I thought it's just the best thing I've ever driven in my entire life. Yeah. And that last thousand revs, you know, the screen where it just goes ballistic mm. it's just incredible absolutely incredible car and ever since then I thought that's a I'm definitely going to have one of those yeah. so it was strange to be standing there thinking god actually now if I was going home in one of these spend my own money maybe I maybe, maybe that would I would be go. my <laughs> yeah I, I think know. I don't know yeah if you I think if you drove them on the same day like you know in the summer back to back you would probably buy the GT3 yeah probably just that clinical excitement of you know that steering the engine and and the, and the gearbox to be fair really cool transmissions in those um but, but that's the thing it's like that question that you probably get asked quite a lot lee or some of you, you guys is that oh what's your favorite one i'm like it's going to be different tomorrow mate yeah, yeah. I, there's, there's like sometimes i get out of an old i don't know whatever it is and i go bloody hell that thing's good that is a really nice car <laughs> and then the next day I get in something else and go that is, that is amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then it's that old adage and people are like oh you're in sales you're always going to yeah. say that but it's true that like anything in these two showrooms anything parked out the front 150,000 mile old shit one that's not been looked after you still drive and go that's better than all its competition yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. a good yeah. car. I've, I've been yeah. well known to have 15 cars in my top five Porsches of <laughs> all time. No, yeah. You're right, it does. It does change all the time. Yeah. And Surely they're all equally valid, aren't they? Of course oh, yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you can logic it, yeah. yeah. Surely we need to ask you then, what's your favourite car today here? 
Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Andy. Andy. Well, you know, it's the end of this podcast. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, All the keys are lined up. You've got to take one home tonight, which you can. What? Take. That's in. Then this in these two yeah, two yeah. showrooms. Yeah. Ooh, nobody's gonna. You bugger. Nobody's gonna go. Oh, you've no got it all salty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what we're in California. You yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Don't think about the practicalities. Ooh, that is a tricky one. I've got a thing. I've got a bit of a soft spot at the moment for nine and one RSs. I know that might sound a bit predictable, but I just think that Gen One. RS looks yeah. cool. I remember, like everyone else, watching the videos of Chris Harris with the purple one and him just absolutely sending the thing. Uh, I've always enjoyed selling them. There have always been nice cars to sell. I mean, that sounds a weird thing, but like clients who have bought yeah. them have been nice and have used them properly. Um, and anyone who thinks that they need something faster than that is deluded. Yeah. I mean that. I don't know what. I think it, the reason being, actually, I can. I know why now. Going out with Lars Kern last year in a Gen One RS around the Nurburgring, twenty-eight degrees, end game. Where? End game. Yeah. It doesn't. It just does not get any better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I said to him, "What do you think about the Put Gen Two? My box. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. Um, and I said to him, "What do you think about the Gen Two? He said, "Yeah, it's got a bit more torque. So out of a few corners, I, I can't be flat on the throttle." And so that kind of says to me that that Gen 1 is perfectly balanced between mm-hmm. grip, grunt, aero, everything, in purple. I'll probably have black wheels. I'll go against the silver wheels thing. Mm-hmm. Purple, black rims. Where is it then? Is it in the showroom? Is it bubba? Is it in the showroom? No, but I can source one for you. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a white one in there. It's the white one. I'll take the white one and I'll wrap it. Busy evening. Put it on some KWs and just... Send it for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that's me. an extension of the nine one dot one GT three. They just yeah. look like better and better and better value. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like you said, particularly if the if the new RS is now going to add a different layer, really of of kind of price point and yeah. stuff. Then you go well, all of that. But actually, if I look at this nine nine one, which is less than half of what the market value of the latest one is. It's not half the car. I think they was your they were your exact words actually in, in the yeah, nine months yeah, of the yeah. video. I did, actually, but, I know. forgot that. Yeah, because again, you know how cool would it be? Stick a set of you know cup two R's on that, some K dubs, and go and rinse nine nine two RSs because yeah, it's yeah. not going to be that much slower. Nah, and unless you're prepared to fully commit, and I'm not saying you know I'm last kernel or anything daft, but you know you'd probably be more comfortable chucking around 150 than you would 450. Yeah. I mean, most normal people, you know, obviously yeah, there's going to yeah. be the, yeah. the people on the outliers of that, but, um, and it's just cool. You know, they're all, every time I've ever been anywhere in one, everyone's like, oh man, that looks cool. You know, it's not like, you know, kind of rubbing it in anyone's faces. It's obviously a big winged track car that's a bit ostentatious and a bit cool, but yeah, there you go. Okay, good, good answer. You forced me into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of wriggled well, out actually, of it. Um, and this is to both of you, actually, because you both have done work on it and opined on it, and it's been helpful. Mm. Um, having applied some grey matter to the question about non one point one GT3s and the engines, mm. they're coming up to 10 years, you mm. know, the EFG engines, and, you know, as a potential buyer you know and if if i were to do that it would be one of those all-in purchases you know life-saving job yeah yeah and i took some some confidence you know i take my fantasy garage into as seriously as my real garage but <laughs> it was interesting to read you know a nine works in t911 and listen to the stuff that you've done about those engines and talk about that so it's not you know something that people should be afraid of going yeah. forward yeah no yeah. definitely funny i think cropped up in conversation today because 20 
2023 is when the first of them are getting to their mm. 10th birthday. Yeah. So their engine warranties will run out. But as I was saying, you can, like we said in the article, paraphrase is that up until their 15th birthday, you can actually still put a full McDaddy Porsche warranty on yeah. it to cover, cover yourself. Um, but, sh- you know, sure as eggs are eggs, we haven't had the you know, commercial requirement to do any R&D on providing a fix, a bit like, you know, IMS yeah. bearings were like commonplace all mm, the time yeah. there will come a kit where someone goes here's a stage one strength kit i don't know whatever that fixes those little bits but the problem is until they come out of warranty and some poor soul somewhere is like Ugh, i can't yeah. afford a twenty-eight thousand pound exchange engine plus that and fitting is there a solution to this that's when you know commercially the specialists in the uk yeah. europe worldwide will have us what's, what's your sort of knowledge on failures of those engines in the last sort of five years I think we've had two, um, yeah. and you know we sell a reasonable number of these every year. Um, so it's it's low. Uh, yeah. It's probably about the same as nine nine sixes with IMS bearings. You know that didn't happen that often, but it's like this. You know, if it goes like with them ones, there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. It's yeah. not like you can get your foot in the clutch and stop it. Um, the nine nine ones, it seems to be, you know, uh, well. It's exactly what it is, is you rev it, and as it comes up to about 8,450 or 8,457, I think we checked it on the PWS, it just stutters, and it gradually gets worse. And mm-hmm. That would be an engine, simple as that. But Porsche Redding keep them on the shelf, so, you know, the one that went, the guy, the guy that we had sold it to was actually pleased. He's like, next question was, does that mean I'll get a new engine? And we're yeah. like, mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it all warranted, and Porsche were good as yeah. gold. You know, he hadn't, he hadn't done anything he shouldn't have been doing. It was all warranted properly, uh, sorry, serviced properly as per the, the schedules. And I think, I remember we collected it on a Friday, um, dropped off at Porsche on the Monday, and I think we had it back by the Thursday morning, and he was back in it for the weekend. Wow, okay. I mean, mm, that's find another manufacturer that look after a nine, eight-year-old car at that point like that. Yeah. It's pretty rare, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so is that a complete engine that they're just literally dump in and they, that's yeah. it? That's amazing. I think yeah. they, they part of their analysis is they do do a they strip down a bit of the original engine just to confirm for warranty, and I think they have to send it off to Germany to uh, get approval on it. But it's, yeah, it's super quick turnaround. Wow, okay. Um, so, you know, again, like we say to anyone, air-cooled engines, GT3 engines, yeah, they're very, very strong, but they're, they're, they're technically consumable. I think BMW look at an engine's service life is 10 years and 100,000 miles. Obviously, they, most of them do way more than that, but they don't last forever. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't mean that flippantly either. I'm not like, yeah, let's replace an engine. But <laughs> you've got to be sensible. You know, every time it's starting up, it's got, for a few seconds, a few milliseconds, no, nothing lubricating it. So it wears every time you turn it on. Yeah. And if you're revving it to 9K, you know, it's going to wear probably a bit quicker than one that revs to 5K. Yeah, you know, it's and a it's, diesel. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, based on a race car, and yet you're kind of expecting to do 80,000 miles in it or something. Obviously, that's not quite going to happen, you yeah. know, so... To, yeah, it's it's it needs to be a calculated risk, I think, in, in some yeah. But you can mitigate your risk by, you know, being like super sensible with letting it warm up, using good grade fuel in it. The service schedules are two years and twelve and not just withstanding what we do for a living, but changing oil more regularly than that is a freaking no brainer. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a couple hundred quid for an oil change or whatever it is. Um and then and they are actually really strong, you know, percentage wise. I mean, I think I read somewhere when they did the R&D, I think when they put the 0.2 engine, I think they did something like 5,000 kilometers in 24 hours, whatever the maths would be, at like 190 miles an hour. 
like constant. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mind boggling how much effort they put into yeah. it to try and Break make it. them fall. Yeah. 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 And the 991.2 has the same engine as the cup car. They are, and they've continued that engine mm. into the 992s, haven't yeah. they? There's, I don't think there's a few maybe software changes, but yeah, that gen one engine, keep it warranted, keep it oil changed, look after it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll um, let it put you off, Max. We'll, we'll, oh, no, no, no. It, <laughs> it was a good article that, that you guys helped us do on Nineworks, answering mm-hmm. that specific question in quite a lot of detail. So we'll pop that in the show notes to this episode. Yeah, so if you want to take idea. a look and, yeah. and take a bit more of a look in depth, then go for it there. Um, I think that just about covers it today, Greg. We've, we've covered a lot, gents, from circuit to showroom. I've got no more products to sell. <laughs> You're spent. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, we've we've covered a lot. So thank you for your time, of Always course, welcome. and your yeah. expertise. And uh, yeah, I think you're you're off home in a an ultraviolet nine one RS <laughs> by the sounds of it. So if you can get get your way in Greg's utopian world, so. yeah, just get the jet wash out. Come in early and jet wash it off yeah. quick. No, no, no. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, tell the boss. <laughs> <laughs> it goes without saying that uh, you know we'd ask people to check the RPM Technic website to take a look at the calendar for this year. Um, it's also going to go up on Nineworks shortly as well. And the full list of the lovely cars in the showroom here are on the Nineworks marketplace and RPM's website as well. So. Yeah, fantastic. Greg, thanks for joining us on How Much Radio. No Thank problem. You. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Did we have a good time? At RPM? Yeah. It's cracking, wasn't it? Cracking. Um, Greg can talk, can't he? Yeah, he loves good a lad. chat. He does he's, he's, he's a natural podcaster, isn't he, I think, old Greg? <laughs> he is. He's got the patter. Absolutely you, fantastic. He is head of sales, isn't he? So yeah. you expect that. Indeed, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I'm still thinking about those spikes speedsters no spiders spiders, spiders. Yeah. particularly that black one i'm sort yeah, of it's draw- nice isn't it it's in my mind's eye and i'm just drooling all the time yeah would you be tempted i would be tempted by one of those i just really do like them even if it involved letting the 993 go then if i go that far <laughs> how much is it oh that know. one yeah that's got a lot of bits on it i think that was it like has got five trip- 105k 105,000 pounds okay that's, that's yeah. serious money isn't it it is serious money isn't it yeah it had uh, quite a few trick bits on it i think yeah it's yeah all sorts yeah. of suspension and the the um the crown and pinion thing to shorten the gearing it. yeah it's got that hasn't it so it's got some yeah. cool bits on it yeah yeah 105,995 yeah <laughs> yeah but it did look bloody nice yeah. bloody nice right then um so we've got a few little bits of admin to get through um Shall I hit some new collective members? Yes, collective members. Not to say Patreons. Ah, I just said it. <laughs> I just said it. Damn, damn. Right, get comfortable with that new vernacular. Yes, it's take a while. It's take we'll a while. Right, I'm going to kick off then. Um, there's a couple of people I did mention last week, uh, but I didn't have any details. I have details this week. Okay. First up is Augustine Serac. And I love my pronunciation. I hope it's good. That sounds uh, pretty good to me. Yeah. Uh, West, great name as well. It is. Augustine is from West London and he has some wicked cars that are outside the Porsche sphere as well. Oh. Uh, his, his Porsche is a, a Tut Hill build 911 ST in Arga Blue. Um, I had a quick squiz on his Instagram and my that looks a nice car that sounds uh, pretty serious it does doesn't it yeah he's got some other nice stuff as well he's got um an alpha uh an old series 2a land rover I particularly like a fiat 126 
random car in there. Uh, Golf Mark 5R32 and an Audi SQ7. Um, so a real sort of wow. different sort of selection of cars. I love it. Augustine love isn't it. fucking around, is he? <laughs> He's certainly not. Okay, next up is a uh, local boy. It's Duncan Johnston. Uh, he's down here in Paul. Um, you may know his 356C, uh, dark red. Um, he's always out in that. It's got the dent in the back. Oh. Everybody knows that car with the dent in the back, um, which I think was, was it your wife that did that, Duncan? I, I wince as I say that. Um, he also has a KEN GTS and a Boxster S. Um, and he's also got something really interesting that's uh, out in the water, and that is a 1964 classic Reva Super Florida. Oh, he's got a Reva. I love a Reva. Yes. Yeah, I have seen a few photos of that actually come up on his um, Insta, and it looks fantastic. Oh. And where's he? Is he that. down your way? He is. Yeah, he's down in Paul. God, let's get out on the boat. Indeed. Come on, Duncan. Take us out. Right, What's Duncan's up? Instagram? Let me, let me have it a look. I want to look at the Reva. Is... Oh, I haven't got it to hand. Oh, okay. I'll follow up on that. I want yes. to see that. Okay. Uh, next up is Carl Osborne, um, who, sorry, is a privateer driver. I should have mentioned the other drivers, shouldn't I? They are, Augustine is a privateer and Duncan is a rookie. So Carl, he is from sunny Suffolk. And this is the man that had the 3.9 converted 996 that I was trying to remember the other day. Oh, um, right, okay. I do have his Instagram, which is Triggers Broom nine nine six. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's had lots done on it. Okay, I, I next know Triggers up, Broom. I didn't realise that had a um that had a big motor in it though. Yeah, three point nine. It's a drop a top as well, isn't it? It is. Yes, drop yeah. top with a hot donkey in the back. That's pretty yeah. cool. Pretty unusual, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, next up is a rookie driver. It's Owen Kelly, who's from South Wales, and he has a nine nine one dot two uh carrera s uh, it does and he mentions my cheeky question on spikes car radio makes me laugh chuck funny <laughs> funny anyway uh next up peter cox who's a rookie driver he found us on youtube lives in birmingham and has a 996 turbo very nice indeed yeah not many which i don't think we know of many 996 turbos in in the collective so interesting to have one um and i think this is finally i've got a, another rookie driver andy doherty who is from east grinstead um he has three 911s and a nice little selection actually uh 1972 911t 1999 carrera 4 with yeah. some roof bits and bobs on it and his daily driver although he says he's trying to retire uh, it's a 2017 911.2 Carrera 4S. Oh, what a marvelous. 2017. That's 991.2. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 991.2. That's a nice lineup. Yeah. Um, we've also got some upgraders as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, Nigel Townley Berry, Privateer to Works. Uh, Javan P, Privateer to Works. James Chu, Privateer to Works. Mark Willis, Privateer to Works, and Joseph Picava, uh, Rookie to Privateer. Thank you, gents. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Yeah. So that's the roundup of everybody this week. Have you got Augustine's Instagram? Or can you send it to me? I want to have a look at. I want to have a look at his collection. Yeah, I will do. I don't have it right here, 
But I put Augustine in, into Instagram and a load of bums came up, <laughs> like ladies' bums. So I don't think I don't. Know I'll edit this bit out. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe people would like to look at that instead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, we'll let yeah, that go. That's what came up. Great stuff. Um, now I believe you have a confession. Well, yes, yes. Well, a confession to read out. I don't. A know. Confession to read out. I do have a confession, but I'm not I'm not sure I'm quite ready to publish that one yet. Okay. I think um, we need. Um, yeah, we need to ease the audience in I yeah think. i need to think about that one whether i'm ready to share that because yeah. someone probably owns that car now um <laughs> although i can't remember the registration so i'm not sure it matters that much it's just a little bit embarrassing for me uh but we have had one from mark T- mark tordoff um so i'm going to read this this is first sight so uh apologies if i trip over some of it but mark tells us a tale of in the early 2000s when he had an a4 three liter quattro which sounds like quite a nice car don't know if that's three litre petrol or three litre TDI, but either way, sounds quite nice. A few months into his, into his ownership, uh, he went to leave early for work one winter morning. To his surprise, he could not select first gear. Uh, he could get it into second. Um, and then he tried to engage every gear and noticed that first, third and fifth, so that plane would not engage, but second, fourth and sixth would. So the car was still under warranty with Audi, um, and they said they'd send out a technician. Um, so the technician came out, uh, he explained the problem and, um, and the, the tech looked confused, couldn't understand what had happened. Uh, so Mark went back inside, left him to it. 10 minutes later, um, guy knocked on the door asking if he uses a chapstick. I think that's like, you know, to moisten your sore lips, isn't it? I think a chapstick. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he was a bit confused. It's not, not sure what, you know, if a man asks you if you use a chapstick, he's not quite sure where that's going. Um, and, uh, so he pondered on it. He says, he thought, oh, do I? I'm not sure. Uh, I do. Mm. Where is it? Um, and it was in the cubby hole just in front of the gear stick, uh, which is why the gear wouldn't move forward. So that's why he could only go back into second, fourth, and sixth because his chapstick was knocking uh was blocking the uh the the, the gears so uh he blamed it on his wife <laughs> said oh can't imagine what's happened there it must be my wife's <laughs> so there we go mark Fantastic. threw his wife you, mark. under the bus as you do as you do shocking Excellent. mark shocking brilliant so there we go thank you mark thank you very much keep the confessions coming indeed yeah yeah please do um should we do spread the love Keep, as we're doing all the regulars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's spread the love. What Let's spread got? the love. Uh, I've got, um, it's an Instagram. Well, the easiest place for people to uh, have a look and find out more about this is on Instagram. It's an Instagram called Cotswold Road and Race. And these are some guys that I I came across them, not on Instagram, I don't think. I came across them at um, at, a, at a Mr. Heritage event. Oh, when yeah. they have the sort of um auto jumble type thing in the big hangar which they do yeah. at some scrambles oh yeah i know what you mean, um yeah. and cotswold road and race do um sort of memorabilia and books and uh stuff like that so uh, general motorsport stuff and car stuff but as always quite a lot of porsche things yeah and i i met them when i was looking through their uh, collection of porsche motorsport posters you know those fantastic posters oh, that brilliant. Porsche have been yeah. doing um, so I was looking through there, um, and I found an 87 Le Mans poster, uh, which is a rare thing, actually. You don't often see a, uh, 87. It's not one of the famous ones. Yeah. But as everyone knows, it's the year that I went. Um, 
and I bought it and I got chatting to those guys and then we talked about Group C, which is why I was interested in it. And I really hit it off. And they've um and I've kind of st- struck up a bit of a, fr- of a friendship with them actually. And uh, we talk about all sorts of interesting things. And the other day, randomly through the post, um, they'd um they'd found some old 35 mil prints of um one of the Richard Lloyd oh fantastic 962s uh from uh you know i think it was from from silverstone yeah and they just they just popped them in the post for me wonderful wonderful so uh isn't that nice yeah so people should go and look at cotswold road and race and look out for them at events and have a good route through their stuff because it's um really really you know uh rare books that are out of print and things like that you know like that singer book that was out oh yes all all, all all of that sort of thing they're just that yeah really good you can um you can lose yourself cool I should check them out. Good one. Good one. Um, I'm going to, for my usual YouTube um, jobbies that I always seem to go for. Yeah. Uh, YouTube served this one up for me the other day. Um, and I think it was the, of all things, it was an RWB oh, yeah. um, video, which I probably wouldn't normally click on. But for some reason, I decided to click on this one. The algorithms on, are in your mind. Yeah, they are. Um and it actually turned into a good lead to this amazing garage that this guy's got over in the US. I can't remember whereabouts he is, actually. Um, but it's, the YouTube channel is called Tons of Gas. T-O-N-S-O-F-G-A-S. Tons of Gas. Um, yeah. And he has got a fantastic collection of 80s cars. Um, as I said, RWB was the first one I saw. But then he's got like a, an Audi Sport Quattro. Um a dp 911 turbo i'm looking at that right now that's awesome yeah uh he's got some really cool like stuff like this is i think this this would replicate my garage if i had lots of cash i think i think (laughs) that's why it appeals so much because he's got some pretty random stuff in there as well like scirocco's jettas uh golfs with good engines um he's got a renault 5 turbo 2 um as i said that rwb the dp what else did he have a diablo i think um, yeah there's some all sorts of random stuff God, looking uh, at this red mark ii sirocco with the um that's it yeah 15 inch bbs rims on it that's really cool love that um alpha gtv bmw e th- e21 yes yeah just loads of stuff that's like really cool from the 80s and 90s um there's only i think about eight videos out so far but from what i've seen so far it's just like really cool ah i know how i found him I was looking at for garage um, videos, like, you know, fitting out your garage. And uh, right, right. Cool garage, which is like 28 car garage madness. Um, so that's how I actually found it originally. But yeah, give it a, give it a look. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Really good oh, those, little channel. those US spec bumpers on that E21. <laughs> They're massive. <laughs> They're massive like a, aren't they? It's a bloody picnic table on the front. <laughs> like breakfast bar. Indeed. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Cool. Uh, so yeah enjoy um anything else for today I, I guess we should say thank you very much for for to greg for coming on from yeah thank you greg thank you for the pizza RPM. yes thank you for that. the pizza and for nice the to see alex as well although alex didn't wasn't able to stay for the pod but nice to catch up with alex too whilst we were there indeed yeah um so that's it see you Excellent. next week see you next week
Cheers. This episode was brought to you by our very kind Driven Not Hidden Collective. If you would like to join the collective to get further access and rewards within the Nineworks community, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Nineworks. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Thank you.